Blog Talk Radio. the live internet broadcast of Secrets Revealed, Understand the Book of Revelation from Start to Finish. I am your Book of Revelation research scientist, Dr. Nicole, and today we're talking about the 1,260 days prophecy in Daniel's one set of seven prophecy. In March of 2023, analysis and discussion of the 1,260 days prophecy are happening live on PGN on Sundays at 12 p.m. Central Time and on Thursdays at 9 a.m. Central Time. I invite you to share your perspective or pose a question or present your prayer request, maybe all three. During the live Internet broadcast, you can listen live via Internet at blogtalkradio.com backslash live prophetic. So you can listen live during the Internet Broadcast at blogtalkradio.com backslash live prophetic. You can listen via telephone. Our PGN phone number is 1-319-527-6027. We actually have two PGN phone numbers right now. The phone number for this particular program and others, uh, Secrets Revealed, Understand the Book of Revelation from Start to Finish, is one three one nine five two seven six zero two seven. You may use that phone number to listen or to participate. If you call the number and press one, that will raise your hand in the virtual queue. That will let me know that you want to share your perspective or present a prayer request or pose a question. So I encourage you to do that. Alternatively, maybe you are listening via internet and you want to text in your comment or your prayer request or your question, you can do that using our PGN text number, which is one two one four five zero five eight seven one nine. One more time, that's one two one four five zero five eight seven one nine. Okay, let's get to it. I want to begin with reading a scripture from uh, Revelation chapter one. There is a special blessing that comes for every person who hears the prophecies in the book of Revelation and a special blessing for every person who reads the prophecies in the book of Revelation. I want to read that uh, to begin in Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. It says, God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church, and he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says, for the time is near. So friend and truth seeker, I believe that you are blessed. God promises to bless every person, uh, not just uh, his favorite person or not sister super Christian or brother super Christian, but it says he blesses all, that means you and that means me, all who listen to its message, what's its the book of Revelation, the prophecies in the book of Revelation. He blesses all who listen to the prophecies in the book of Revelation. 
and who obey what it says. So how do you obey the prophecies in the book of Revelation? You follow the instructions that are included. So there are 12 statements of prophecy in the book of Revelation. All include predictions, but some of the statements of prophecy have instructions, and some have words of consolations. Some have only predictions and instructions, or only predictions, or only predictions and consolations, uh, but there are instructions in the book of Revelation. Today we're going to be reading from the 1,260 days prophecy and discussing it, but before we get to that, because our focus will be how does the Great Tribulation connect to Daniel's 70-week prophecy? And in First Thessalonians chapter 5, it says, Now concerning how and when all this will happen, dear brothers and sisters, that's you and that's me, we don't really need to write you. For you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly, like a thief in the night. Now I hear people all the, all the time saying, Nobody knows when Jesus is coming back. Uh, the Bible says nobody knows the day nor the hour. Well, let's hear uh, what comes after that. It says, for you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. When people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin and there will be no escape. Okay, here's the important part for you and for me as truth seekers. Verse 4 of First Thessalonians chapter 5 says, But you aren't in the dark about these things. Hallelujah. Who's you? That is you listening to this live internet broadcast. You aren't in the dark about these things. Dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. Let's say that again. And you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. Four, you are all children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. So the children of darkness and night are those who are team Satan, the goats, the bad fish, the wheat, the tares. Truth seekers whose names are written in a Lamb's Book of Life are the sheep, the wheat, the good fish, the those who are team Jesus. Again, you and I are children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and Night, And then in verse 6 of 1 Thessalonians, it says, So be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. So how do we stay on guard? How do we prevent ourselves from being asleep like the others? Who are the others who are asleep? Those who are children of the darkness and the night. So when you hear the prophecies in the Bible, and in particular the book of Revelation, 
you are hearing about that period of time, that period of time before the second coming of Jesus Christ and in the last three statements of prophecy, uh, what happens after his second coming. So the first nine statements of prophecy focus on the events preceding the second coming as well as the second coming. The last three statements of prophecy focus on those events uh, following his return. So let us talk about the reality that uh, you will know quite well when the day of the Lord's return happens. So you will not be surprised because it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 4, but you aren't in the dark about these things. Okay, so let us get some light. In Daniel, the book of Daniel chapter 9, there's an important prophecy. There are many, many wonderful and important prophecies about this period of time, the end of the age in the book of Daniel, and we're going to hear specifically about the set of seven prophecy, one set of seven. I'm going to Daniel chapter 9. If you are reading along in your Bible, we are going to Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. Uh, and let's begin with verse 20. So Daniel is praying, and he's about to hear from an angel of the Lord. And what he is going to hear is specific information about the timing of the second coming of Jesus Christ. That's right. So we are children of the day and the light. We will not be surprised by the second coming of Jesus Christ, we will know what to expect, and we will be in the exact timing of it. Let's hear what Daniel learned from the angel Gabriel. Chapter 9 of the book of Daniel, beginning with verse 20, it says, I went on praying. So this is Daniel praying and talking to us. Daniel says, I went on praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, pleading with the Lord, my God, for Jerusalem, his holy mountain. As I was praying, Gabriel, whom I had seen in the earlier vision, came swiftly to me at the time of the evening sacrifice. He explained to me, Daniel, I have come here to give you insight and understanding. The moment you began praying, a command was given, and now... I am here to tell you what it was, for you are very precious to God. Listen carefully so that you can understand the meaning of your vision. A period of 70 sets of seven has been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish their rebellion, to put an end to their sin, to atone for their guilt, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to confirm the prophetic vision, and to anoint the most holy place. Let's pause there for a second. It says a period of 70 sets of seven. So today we're going to focus on one set of seven, the seven-year period 
preceding the second coming of Jesus Christ. That's our focus today, but we're getting the broader context. So Daniel was provided with information, intelligence from heaven via the angel Gabriel about a period of 70 sets of seven. So 70 times seven is 490 years. So this prophecy spans 490 years, but it's not 490 consecutive years as we're about to hear. So this is a prophecy about what's going to happen to the woman discussed in Micah, uh, one of the books of the Minor Prophets. The woman discussed in the book of Revelation in the 1,260 days prophecy we're going to talk about and hear and discuss today. So this is about Israel. Daniel was praying for Israel. Confessing, he said, the sin of my people. Now, this period, 70 sets of seven, so one set of seven is one set of seven years. But it says the entire prophecy covers many things. Well, many things for who? Many things for specifically the nation of Israel, the people of Israel. Now, what's going to happen across these 490 years? Daniel's told, uh, your holy 70 sets of seven has been decreed for your people and your holy city to, number one, finish their rebellion. So anytime an individual or an individual, a group of individuals has not found and followed God's plan for salvation, they're in rebellion. Okay? Let's keep going to put an end to their sin, to atone for their guilt, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to confirm the prophetic vision, and to anoint the most holy place. Let's continue. Verse 25 says, Now listen and understand. Seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven will pass from the time the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until a ruler, the anointed one, comes. Seven sets of seven plus 62 sets of seven will pass. So seven sets of seven, so that's seven, plus 62, so 62 plus seven is 69, so 69 of these sets of seven will pass from the time the command is given to rebuild Jerusalem until a ruler, the anointed one, comes. So the anointed one is Jesus Christ. Indeed, Jesus Christ was born. The woman gave birth to a child, Jesus Christ, who is the anointed one. That was his first coming. Then it says, Jerusalem will be rebuilt with streets and strong defenses despite the perilous time. After this period of 62 sets of seven, uh, after this period of 62 sets of seven, so the first 62, the anointed one will be killed, appearing to have accomplished nothing, and a ruler will arise whose armies will destroy the city and the temple. Let's pause there for a second. 
So we're told for the first 62 sets of seven, Jesus Christ, after the first 62 sets of Christ, sets of seven, Jesus Christ will be killed. And this is very interesting. It says, appearing to have accomplished nothing. Well, who did it appear to that he had accomplished nothing? It wasn't to the Christians who found and followed God's plan of salvation. It wasn't to the biological Jews who transitioned from the old covenant to the new covenant, thereby becoming uh, Jewish Christians. He appeared to have accomplished nothing to the nation of Israel, those who continue to follow the rules over the old covenant, even though it has been replaced and is outdated, as reported in the letters of instruction in our Holy Bible. So Jesus, the anointed one, was killed. He died on the cross appearing to have accomplished nothing, when in fact he had accomplished everything, gaining the keys to Hades and death. Then it says, and a ruler will arise whose armies will destroy the city and the temple. And indeed, a ruler did arise, and the city was destroyed, and the temple was destroyed by uh, was destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD. So that's the second temple. Okay, so all those things happen. It says the end will come with the flood and war and its miseries are decreed from that time to the very end. Now, we just spanned a whole long period of time. Uh, So the first 62, and then it says the end will come with the flood and war and its miseries are decreed from that time to the very end. Here we are now. Let's go to verse 27. The ruler will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven. But after half this time, he will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings. And as a climax to all his terrible deeds, he will set up a sacrilegious object that causes desecration until the fate decreed for this defiler is finally poured out on him. Let me recap for a second. Very early on in this prophecy, we're told about uh, the first 62 sets. Then there are, uh, they are described. Then the seven sets after the first 62 are briefly mentioned. And then now we rock into the one set of seven, which is our focus today. So these periods of time are not in consecutive order, but report in its entirety the prophecy. So you might say, well, why didn't why did why did God uh, create create it like this? Like, why was the prophecy given like this? I have no idea. I do see that seven is a a powerful number. It appears to be a favorite number of God. In the book of Revelation, there are seven letters to seven churches. There are seven uh, lampstands, which refer to the seven churches. And then there are seven stars, which refer to seven angels assigned to each of the seven churches. Then there are seven uh, letters to each of the seven churches. Then there are seven seals, seven trumpets, Uh, as well as seven vials. So the number seven is very uh, 
frequently used. I don't know if it's the modal number in the book of Revelation, but I'm going to guess that it is. I haven't done an analysis on that. Um, I'm guessing it's the modal number, the number that appears most often in the book of Revelation, but haven't actually done a study on that. Nonetheless, here in the book of Daniel, one set is referred to as a period of seven years. And our focus is not to get into the details of uh, what exactly happened in the first 483 years, although that's reported here. The most important thing, because the first 483 years have already happened, but what is coming up is here in Daniel chapter 9, 27. I just wanted you to know where we are in the Bible. Now, what is about to happen? Verse 27 the ruler will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven. But after half this time, he will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings. So who is he? He is the Antichrist. Who is the ruler? It's the head of the Ten Nation Alliance. It's the lawless one. It is he who will put down three kings and who will be the mouthpiece for the one world government during the final seven years. So what's the final seven years? It's the seven years preceding the second coming of Jesus Christ, which includes two important events. Number one, the marriage of the Lamb, and number two, the marriage supper. So what happens right before the Battle of Armageddon? The culminating event of the seven final plagues described in the book of Revelation. What happens? We're, we're children of the day and of the light. So let's get this timing. Let's unlock the secrets in the book of Revelation by obtaining keys provided elsewhere in the Bible, here in one of the most important books of prophecy in the Holy Bible. There are 18 of them, including the book of Revelation. Verse 27 identifies the Antichrist as the individual who will be one if not the only one, but he is a key player who facilitates the creation of a peace treaty between Israel and Palestine. The ruler will make a treaty with the people. Who's the people? The nation of Israel. We hear elsewhere uh that this is going to allow them to rebuild the temple. We await that. Israel hasn't had a temple since 70 AD. It's been nearly 2,000 years. But that period of time is coming. So this seven-year period begins day one of this last set of seven. Now, remember, you might say, well, why is this so important? Why does this prophecy matter? Remember... The angel Gabriel is giving Daniel intelligence. So this is about 600 
600 B.C., uh, in Daniel verse 1, it says, It was the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede, the son of Ahasuerus, who became king of the Babylonians. So it's the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede. Remember, Babylon was the first one world government described in the Bible. That's the head in Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Babylon uh, falls and is taken over by the media Persia Empire that had two co-rulers, Darius the Mede and Cyrus uh, the Persian. So when we look in history to get the dates of the reign of Darius the Mede, also referred to as Darius the Great, it tells us, on encyclopedia.com that Darius ruled from 522 to 486 BCE. Uh, Wikipedia reports that it was 550 to 486 BCE. And then if you go to uh, other sites, you see 550 and 522. So uh, let's just say about more than 500 years uh, BC. So that was quite a long time ago. Uh, this prophecy given to Daniel extends not only from that period of time, uh, more than 500 years before the birth of Jesus Christ, it also includes uh, today. So it spans a very, very long period of time. And at the beginning of the prophecy, it tells us that this period is going to end with an anointing of the most holy place. So bringing in everlasting righteousness. Well, when does that happen? When the remnant, the third part of the harvest comes in. So this is saying, look, Daniel, lots of things are going to happen to the nation of Israel, but in the end, God is going to raise up a remnant who will be a part of the final harvest as prophesied in Romans, prophesied here in Daniel, prophesied in Micah, and many places in the Bible. God says it over and over again. Let's stay with this timing. Now, in verse 27, we're told that the Antichrist is going to make a treaty. Israel will be one of the key players of this treaty. Now, the treaty will be for a period of seven years. They're not going to agree on everything. So this, this treaty is not going to solve all the problems, but it's going to solve a key problem, which is it's going to give, uh, it's going to solve the problem of Israel being uh, disallowed to create a temple on the Temple Mount. So it's going to solve that problem. So we hear the Antichrist will make a treaty with the people for a period of one set of seven, but after half this time. So what does that mean? Three and a half years in, he will put an end to the sacrifices and offerings. When the temple is rebuilt, the ashes of the red heifer, the ashes of the tenth red heifer will be used as part of the ceremonies that happen. 
So there will be sacrifices and offerings. They're going to begin with uh, immediately once that temple is built and the people of Israel begin to worship in the temple part of their worship. Part of the old covenant is that they are to make sacrifices and offerings. They are under the old covenant by choice and they will continue to follow that. The Antichrist as a climax to all his terrible deeds. He will set up a sacrilegious object that causes desecration until the fate decreed for this defiler is finally poured out on him. Now, what's uh, what's the fate for the Antichrist? Well, we see it in the marriage supper prophecy. So at the end of this seven year period, What's the seven-year period? It begins with the signing of the confirmation of, cov- of the covenant. In Genesis chapter 15, I believe it's verse 18, God makes a covenant with Abraham telling him that this land is for you and your people, your descendants forever and ever. I'm making covenant with you today. Today, there are many nations, including Iraq, who say we don't want Israel to exist. And certainly, they should not be allowed to uh, create a temple to worship their God. But there's coming a day when a peace treaty will be made. The Antichrist will be one of the signers of that peace treaty. Israel will get the green light to rebuild the third temple described in The seven trumpets prophecy in Revelation chapter 11, they will rebuild it. They will immediately begin the sacrifices and offerings uh, that they are to do as people of God under the old covenant. And what else will the Antichrist do? We're told right here in this prophecy, Daniel chapter 9, 27, he's going to put an end to the sacrifices. Well, when? So they're told that they can rebuild their temple, they can worship, they can make their sacrifices, but halfway through they say, oh, no, 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 we know we told you you could do all this, but actually you're going to have to stop doing those sacrifices. Now they told them they could do them. We see right here that they're going to be told you can rebuild your temple and uh, you can make the sacrifices because they're rebuilding the temple for that purpose of worshiping in the way that they worshiped during the first temple era and the second temple era. So the Antichrist is going to go back on his word, uh, not honor the agreement, put an end to the sacrifices and offerings that are happening in the third temple. And we're told that that's not all. He's also going to set up in the temple a sacrilegious object that causes desecration. But it's noted that The fate decreed for this defiler. Who's the defiler? The Antichrist will be poured out on him. So that sacrilegious object is going to stay in the rebuilt Jewish temple until the Antichrist is thrown in the lake of fire at the end of the seven-year period. Now, how do we know that? It says here at the end of verse 27, he will set up a sacrilegious object that causes desecration until... So this desecration is going to last until the fate decreed for this defiler is finally poured out on him. So the fate poured out on him, we can go to uh, Revelation chapter 19. Let's hear it. 
at the end of Revelation 19, we're at the Battle of Armageddon. And it says, verse 19, Then I saw the beast and the kings of the world and their armies gathered together to fight against the one sitting on the horse and his army. And the beast was captured. Who's the beast? That's the defiler. That's the antichrist. That's the ruler. The mouthpiece for the Ten Nation Alliance. And the beast was captured. And with him the false prophet who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast. So both the antichrist and the pope. You say, well, research scientists, which pope? The Pope that is in office at the time that the confirmation of the covenant is signed is most likely the false prophet. So it's definitely the Pope. Now, the exact timing of the changing of the guard with respect to the Popes, I don't know about that. But as you will hear in the Purple and Scarlet Prophecy, chapters 17 and 18 of the book of Revelation, the head of the harlot church is the Pope. Now let's continue here. What's going to happen to the Antichrist and the false prophet? Verse 20 says, And the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet. And then later at the end of verse 20, it says, Both the beast and his false prophet were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. So at the Battle of Armageddon, the fate of the Antichrist comes to pass at that appointed time and hour, and in fact, he will be utterly destroyed forever and ever. So we're looking at today Daniel's 70th week prophecy and focusing on one set of seven, the final seven years. The Great Tribulation happens within the one set of seven so the Great Tribulation is within the seven-year period that we are talking about, but it is, in fact, limited to three and a half years. We're going to hear today. So in Revelation chapter 12 and in Revelation chapter 13, we are told that the actual Great Tribulation is a finite period of time. In other words, a specific number of days that is limited. It will not go on forever and ever. The number of days is known. The number of days is enumerated and reported in the book of Revelation. It is precisely 1,260 days. So that's where we are headed. We're beginning with talking about Daniel's seven set of sevens. Sorry, Daniel's 70 set of sevens, the 490-year prophecy. Then we drill down to one set of seven, verse 27 of chapter 9. And now that we have examined that, in just a moment, we are going to head over to the 1,260 days prophecy. And why are we doing this? Because we are not children of the night. We are children of the day and the light. So we're making sure that we are awake, that we know what is happening and when, because God has revealed these secrets for you and for me, for those who have a heart to know the truth, 
for those who are his children, those who are team Jesus, those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. He doesn't want you to be surprised by uh, the second coming. Okay, let me see if there's anything else key that I want to share before we move on. Oh, something just fell, but everything's okay. Yes, I want to share also a little bit about, a little bit more about the Antichrist. Let's go to Daniel chapter 11. So in Daniel chapter 9, we have Daniel's uh, 70-week prophecy. And in verse 27, the final seven years of the 70-week prophecy. And then in Daniel chapter 11, we have more about the secrets related to this seven-year period. So there's discussion about the kings, uh, the king of the south and the king of the north. And then talking about this covenant, at the end of Daniel chapter 11, we get more details. Now, here we are talking about the Antichrist. Let's begin with verse 29 of chapter 11. So why are we looking at this? We're talking about the confirmation of the covenant and how that is the beginning of the final seven years. What final seven years? The final seven years before the second coming of Jesus Christ, which includes two key events, the marriage of the Lamb, followed by the marriage Supper of the Lamb. Both of those events are reported in Revelation chapter 19, which primarily focuses on the marriage supper of the Lamb. Verses 6 until the end, the marriage supper of the Lamb is the Battle of Armageddon. So what happens before the Battle of Armageddon? So this seven-year period includes the Great Tribulation. Before the Great Tribulation begins, we have the signing of the peace treaty. That's the confirmation of the covenant. That's the green light for Israel to rebuild the third temple. The third temple is rebuilt. The animal sacrifices begin. Three and a half years after the confirmation of the covenant, the Antichrist will stop the animal sacrifices. Let's hear what else happens in this timing. In Daniel chapter 11, verse 29, it says, Then at the appointed time, he will once again invade the south. But this time, the result will be different. For warships from western coastlands will scare him off, and he will withdraw and return home. But he will vent his anger against the people of the holy covenant and reward those who forsake the covenant. His army will take over the temple fortress, pollute the sanctuary, put a stop to the daily sacrifices, and set up the sacrilegious object that causes desecration. Now, you might say, how do, how do we know who we're talking about? 
Like we're in a totally different chapter. How do we know what we what we're talking about? So just like the book of Revelation, God continues to talk about the same events from multiple perspectives. So in the book of Daniel, again, it goes back to what's on God's heart and mind. So we know that this is for sure more about the Antichrist because it says his army will take over the temple fortress, pollute the sanctuary. Here it is. Put a stop to the daily sacrifices. So in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, we were told that the Antichrist would put a stop to the uh, sacrifices and offerings. And here we're told that he's going to put a stop to the daily sacrifices. So in chapter 9, we weren't told that the sacrifices were daily. But here we're given more detail. The sacrifices are going to be daily. He's going to put a stop to them. And it also says, and set up the sacrilegious object that causes desecration. So we were told in Daniel chapter 9 that not only is this object going to be set up, but it's going to remain in the third temple until the Antichrist is tossed into the lake of fire that burns with brimstone forever and ever. So it's going to continue until Jesus Christ returns with the armies of heaven and defeats both the Antichrist and the false prophet and the armies of the nations who are there to take out Israel. Now, what else does it tell us? So it begins with, his army will take over the temple fortress. So even though they've given permission for the Jewish people to rebuild their temple, listen, this is going to be a time of great celebration. Israel is going to be really happy. You can imagine whoever the prime minister is at that time is going to be hailed as amazing and fantastic, and the rulers of the world will be congratulating themselves for bringing peace in the Middle East. They're going to say this hasn't happened for thousands of years. This is the culmination of so much work, and this shows that we are making progress, and the world is going to forever be a better place. There aren't going to be any more wars. They're really going to be pouring it on thick. They're going to be telling us we need to uh, all be a part of this 10-nation alliance because, look, it has uh, facilitated peace, and now let's all get to the same currency, and let's, you know, we're all worshiping the same God. None of those things will be true, and in fact, we're not going to have peace. They tell Israel that they uh, can create their temple and worship their God in peace and resume their sacrifices, but they're not going to keep their word. The Antichrist is going to violate his own word, violate the own treaty, uh, the treaty that he has been a part of creating. And not only that, he's going to set up a sacrilegious object in their temple that causes desecration. Now let's continue in verse 32. He will flatter and win over those who have violated the covenant. This is very important. When you see Israel rebuilding the third temple, and again, all the news stations, they are going to be saying this is a historic day. We're going to have peace on earth like we've never had for thousands of years. It's amazing. People are really going to be celebrating. Uh, Israel is going to be very happy. Uh, there are some Christians, those who do not know the prophecies, who are going to be very happy. But this is a time for us to really, really focus and to be prepared. This will be 
Daniel's 70th week, the final set of seven. Now, what else will the Antichrist do during this uh, period? He will flatter and win over those who have violated the covenant. So the covenant will be signed between Israel and Palestine. There may be other nations involved too, but it will allow Israel to rebuild on that land that the Palestinians currently control. They are disallowing Israel to rebuild the temple up until this point, up until the confirmation of the covenant will be signed. So the Antichrist is going to appear to be Team Israel. He's going to appear to be a man of peace. He, in fact, is a man of Jewish descent. But ultimately, he's going to flatter and win over those who hate Israel, those who plot the demise and destruction of Israel. The end of verse 32, it says, But the people who know their God will be strong and will resist him. I believe, truth seeker, that that's you and me. But the people who know their God will be strong and will resist him. How do you resist the Antichrist? You refuse to take the mark of the beast. You refuse to, to be a part of the harlot church. You refuse to uh, be a part of the buying and selling that requires you to take the number 666 which will disallow every person who takes it from the rewards of salvation. Every person who takes the mark of the beast will be destroyed. No person who takes the mark of the beast will have his or her name recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. But every truth seeker says the people who know their God will be strong and resist him. Wise leaders will give instruction to many. But these teachers will die by fire and sword, or they will be jailed and robbed. During these persecutions, little help will arrive, and many who join them will not be sincere, and some of the wise will fall victim to persecution. In this way, they will be refined and cleansed and made pure until the time of the end, for the appointed time is still to come. What does this mean? The Great Tribulation begins when the Antichrist stands in the middle of this rebuilt temple and he declares that he is God. Let's hear that. Verse 36, the king will do as he pleases, exalting himself and claiming to be greater than every God. Who's the king? The defiler, the Antichrist, the lawless one. It says, the king will do as he pleases, exalting himself and claiming to be greater than every god, even blaspheming the god of gods. He will succeed, but only until the time of wrath is completed. Now, the wrath of Satan is the wrath that's being described here. The wrath of Satan is the great tribulation. It's 1,260 days. We're about to go to that prophecy. So, 1,260 days is precisely three and a half years. It's 42 months. So what amount of time is required for this wrath, the wrath of the Antichrist to be completed? It's 1,260 days, and it's within 
So that's three and a half years. It's within this seven-year period. So what's the starting point, again, of the seven-year period? It's the signing of the peace treaty. That's the confirmation of the covenant. What covenant? The covenant that says Israel has a right to be on this land. And this land allows Israel to, re, to, to have a temple where Israel can worship her God. So the beginning of the seven-year period is the signing of the treaty referred to in Daniel chapter 9 by the Antichrist with the people of Israel and at a minimum Palestine. Other nations may also be a part of the treaty. And the end of the seven-year period is the Battle of Armageddon. In between this seven-year period, is the great tribulation, which is the wrath of Satan. The great tribulation, the wrath of Satan, is followed by the wrath of God. So the wrath of Satan is followed by the wrath of God. Satan starts it, but God finishes it. Satan, through his agent, the Antichrist, will allow Israel to rebuild its temple Why? So that his agent, the Antichrist, can stand in it and desecrate it by putting an object in it that desecrates it, by having the Antichrist declare that he is God, by having uh, defiling the temple, by stopping the daily sacrifices that are supposed to happen under the Old Covenant. It says here at the end of Daniel chapter 11 in verse 36, he will succeed, talking about the Antichrist, but only until the time of wrath is completed. So he's going to succeed, as we'll hear in the book of Revelation, only for 1,250 days. For what has been determined will surely take place. What has been determined? The wrath of Satan is surely going to be followed by the wrath of God, which is the seven final plagues which culminate with the Battle of Armageddon. Verse 37 says, he will have no respect for the gods of his ancestors. So the Antichrist will not respect the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or for the God loved by women, or for any other God, for he will boast that he is greater than them all. The Antichrist is going to say that he is God, that he's greater than every God that ever was. And it says in verse 38, instead of these, he will worship the God of fortresses, a God of his ancestors, a God his ancestors never knew, and lavish on him gold, silver, precious stones, and expensive gifts. Claiming this foreign God's help, he will attack the strongest fortresses. He will honor those who submit to him, appointing them to positions of authority and dividing the land among them as their reward. Then, at the time of the end, the king of the south will attack the king of the north. The king of the north will storm out with chariots, charioteers, and a vast navy. Let's continue. Uh, let's get down to verse 44. But then news from the east and north will alarm him, and he will set out in great anger to destroy and obliterate many. He will stop between the glorious holy mountain and the sea and will pitch his royal tent. But while he is there, his time will suddenly run out, and no one will help him. At that time, Michael, the archangel who stands guard over your nation, will arise. 
Then there will be a time of anguish greater than any since nations first came into existence. But at that time, every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. What does this mean? Every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. That's the remnant described in the 144,000 First Fruits Prophecy in Revelation chapter 14, verses 1 to 5. The 144,000 referred to in the seven seals prophecy. There are three parts to the harvest. Those who are in heaven at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Those who are on earth and who have followed God's plan for salvation at the second time, uh, at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. The third part of the harvest is right here. Every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. Okay, I'm going to pause there. There's so much to say, but let us make sure we get this secret about the seven-year period. That's the key thing that we're talking about. Some people, and I've heard it said many times, that the Great Tribulation is seven years, but it's only 1,260 days. And you say, well, research scientists, where is that? It's in several places in the book of Revelation. We're going to look at two places today. We're focusing on the 1,260 days prophecy in Revelation chapter 12. Let's go there now. Revelation 12 verses, uh, the chapter in its entirety includes the 1,260 days prophecy. Let's hear the movie trailer for the prophecy as verses 1 to 6. And writing terms, we call that the abstract. And then the full report is the rest of the chapter, verses 7 to 18. Let's start with uh, Let's start actually with the full report, then we can go back to uh, the movie trailer. It says, Then there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. Okay, there's a war in heaven. Michael is fighting against the dragon, that's Satan, and his angels. And the dragon lost the battle, and he and his angels were forced out of heaven. So during... This period of time, we're talking about the final seven weeks. It says, then there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. And the dragon lost the battle, and he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. This is very important. So it's hard for us to wrap our brains around this, but the reality is is that Satan, until he is destroyed, in Revelation 20, verses 9 and 10, we see when Satan is destroyed, after the Antichrist and the false prophet are destroyed, they're thrown into the lake of fire that burns with fiery brimstone and sulfur forever and ever. A thousand years later, Satan joins them, but until then... He is out and about. Well, where is he out and about right now? Satan is in heaven. He's allowed to come and go 
as he pleases. He is the accuser of the brethren. Remember in Job how he made accusations against Job and got into conversation with God the Father talking about Job. And so Satan is not only allowed to be in heaven, but he and the angels can also be on earth. However, there's coming a point in time where he is demoted, where he is not allowed to be in the presence of God the Father anymore, where he's no longer permitted to be the accuser of that brethren, of the brethren. Let's hear it again. Then there was war in heaven. So John the Revelator is seeing moving pictures, visions, documentaries of future events. So he's saying then there was, so he's watching it and he's telling us what happened as he watched it as if it was past tense, but it's in our future, right? So an omniscient God has gone into the future, created documentaries for an angel to show John the Revelator, and John the Revelator writes that information down in the past so that we in the present, at the end of the age, would be aware of what was to come. So we wouldn't be asleep because we are children of the day and of the light, not children of the night and darkness. So this is coming up. This is coming up. In the final seven years, there was war in heaven, Michael and his angels fought against Satan, the dragon, it says, and his angels, and the dragon lost the battle. So Satan's going to lose this battle, and he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. So he will be here and limited to the earth uh, with all his angels, a third of them, right? third of all the angels pledged uh defected from team jesus and came over to team satan now what's their response in heaven it says then i heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens so we're about to hear how they respond when this happens so imagine you're living in heaven and satan is there satan is in heaven and from time to time he approaches god the father and just begins to report every sin that some person has done now you say why well, I, I don't i don't see that it's in the book of job and let's hear how they react and what they tell us about uh what their experience was and and how they feel now that satan's been thrown out of heaven it says then i heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens it has come at last salvation and power and the kingdom of our god and the authority of his christ here it is for the accuser of our brothers and sisters, that's you and me, has been thrown down to, to earth. Now, we're here on the earth, but they're saying, yeah, he's, he's, he's not here with us anymore. He's with them. Great. We're well rid of him. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, that's Satan, has been thrown down to earth. That's here where we are. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. So he's still doing what he did hundreds of years ago. He was accusing Job, going in front of God, saying, you think your children love you, but they don't love you. Look, this happened, that happened. They did this, they did that. They didn't do this, they didn't do that. Says the one who accuses them before our God day and night. So now Satan's here on the earth. He's been demoted. And verse 11 says, and they have defeated him 
by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. Who's they? Let's hear more. And they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Now, that's very interesting. We get a clue about who they is right here. So we're in this seven-year period. And within the seven-year period, there are 1,260 days. We're going to hear that timing, that secret in a moment. But it says, and they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. I believe that this is talking about those referred to in Daniel chapter 11 and in the seven seals prophecy and in the millennial reign prophecy, those who will lose their lives on account of testifying for the word of God, preaching the word of Jesus, refusing to take the mark of the beast. Friend, there is no pre-tribulation rapture. Let me say that again. There's no pre-tribulation rapture. We have to get ready. We're children of the day and of the light, it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now let's hear this secret revealed in the book of Revelation, in the millennial reign prophecy, verse 4 of chapter 20. Here's the proof. There, there are many proofs, but here's a, my perception of the number one proof, but there are several. Verse 4 of chapter 20 says, I saw the souls of those who had been slain with axes, beheaded for their witnessing to Jesus and for preaching and testifying for the word of God, and who had refused to pay homage to the beast or his statue and had not accepted his mark or permitted it to be stamped on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived again and ruled with Christ the Messiah a thousand years. Now, this is the millennial reign prophecy in the book of Revelation. So after the battle of Armageddon, the first thousand years of the government of Jesus Christ starts. So in chapter 19, we have the marriage supper prophecy. That's the full report on the battle of Armageddon. And then in Revelation 20, we have uh, verses 1 to 10, the millennial reign prophecy, what happens during the first thousand years of the government of Jesus Christ. And John the Revelator is telling us about how all the people who die during the Great Tribulation, Christians, now not every Christian is going to die during the Great Tribulation. You say, well, how do we know that? How do we know that? Because it says, it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, those of us who were here at the time of his second coming, we're going to rise up second. We're, that we're never going to die, but... Our bodies will change in the blink of an eye. We will put on our incorruptible, glorified bodies. You say, well, how can that happen? Science, fact, an omniscient and omnipotent God, all-knowing and all-powerful God, the God who created your DNA has a plan to transition you from a body that is full of DNA errors to a peak performance body that's 100% perfect. You will transition from mortality to immortality if your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life and you are here at the time of the second coming. Now, how do we know for sure that there are those of us who are going to be here at the time of the Great Tribulation that happens in the seven-year period? Because right here it says, 
I saw, so John the Revelator saw living again in their perfected glorified bodies during the millennial reign. At the end, he says, and they lived again and ruled with Christ the Messiah a thousand years. And that whole chapter 20, verses 1 to 10, is about the thousand years when all parts of the harvest are in and everyone who has been resurrected. So that's Abraham, that's Isaac, that's Jacob, that's Ruth, right? Jesus Christ is here. That's you, that's me, that's our grandparents. It's all the believers will be here. Now, who is John the Revelator talking about, though, in verse 4? Those who had been slain for their witnessing to Jesus and for preaching and testifying for the word of God and who had refused to pay homage to the beast or his statue. In order to refuse to pay homage to the beast and his statue, in order to refuse to pay homage to the Antichrist and his statue, you have to be here during the Great Tribulation when the identity of the Antichrist is known to the whole world. And it says, uh, refused to pay homage to the beast or his statue and had not accepted his mark or permitted it to be stamped on their foreheads or on their hands. In order to refuse In order to not permit anyone to stamp your forehead or put Ark of the Beast on your hand, you have to be here when that's an option. Now, when is the Mark of the Beast an option? It's an option during the three-and-a-half-year period described in Revelation 13. That is the same three-and-a-half-year period described in Chapter 12, where we are right now, that's the period of the Great Tribulation. That's the period of the wrath of Satan. So there for sure is no pre-tribulation rapture. Now let's continue in Revelation chapter 12. Let's pick up here. It says, and they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. So these people, some of us who are preaching the word of God, now not all, right? Not every nation is going to come under the power of the Antichrist. We know that when we read uh, other chapters in Daniel. So the Antichrist is going to grow in power and dominion across the three-and-a-half-year period, but he's not going to occupy every nation and rule every nation. For example, Jordan, he's, he's not going to be in control of Jordan. That's one of the nations he won't be in control of. Let's continue. Verse 12 says, therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who live in the heavens rejoice, but terror will come on the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you in great anger. So people in heaven are happy. They're happy because Satan is not there being the accuser of you and me. They get tired of hearing their brothers and sisters attacked, and maybe they just don't want to see Satan anymore. How about that? I mean, I think we can all understand that. It says, uh, but getting back to those of us who are here on the earth during this period, what does that mean for us? It says, but terror will come on the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you in great anger, knowing that he has little time. Well, how much time does he have? He has three and a half years to work through his agents, the Antichrist and false prophet, during the wrath of satan the great tribulation he only has three and a half years it is followed by the wrath of god which culminates with the battle of armageddon now let's continue verse 13 says when the dragon realized 
that he had been thrown down to the earth. He pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. Who's that, Israel? But she was given two wings like those of a great eagle. Who's that? The United States of America, one of five nations that has veto power in the United Nations. Only five nations have veto power. You know that they're angry about that. They're talking about that right now. So the United Nations gets together, and one of the member nations says, well, we want to put this sanction on Israel, or we want this to happen to Israel, and they keep coming up with ways to attempt to destroy the nation of Israel. And like a faithful friend, the United States says, no, we're going to veto that. America is Israel's greatest friend and has been uh, since 1948. We're going to continue to be a friend of Israel. How do we know that? Verse 14 says, but she was given two wings like those of a great eagle, so she could fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness. There she would be cared for and protected from the dragon, that's Satan, for a time, times, and half a time. So a time in uh, Bible numerology is one year. So a time is one year, times is two years, half a time is half a year. So one plus two plus one half is three and a half. Now you might say, well, are you sure it's three and a half years? Yes. So we're in the full report, but let's go back to the movie trailer in a moment. But let's continue and finish the full report. Then the dragon tried to drown the woman. So what does this mean? We're in the three and a half year period. Satan has been thrown from heaven to the present earth. This is not science fiction. It's science fact. It's coming up in the future. In Matthew, we're told it will be a period of distress like the world has never seen and will never, ever be again. So Satan and all of his flunkies, the angels who lack the wisdom, who lack the faith to stay with Team Jesus, they have defected to Team Satan. So Satan and his flunkies, a third of the angels, will be here on this present earth for three and a half years. Satan's mad because his time is short. So he says, oh, Jesus is in heaven, but I'm here on earth. I'm going after, after the nation that gave birth to Jesus. I'm going after Israel. Now, what does he do? Satan causes a flood of water come to Israel. Now, you might recall in our lifetime, there have been uh, floods and tsunamis and earthquakes, all kinds of things that have destroyed nations. Satan's going to attempt to destroy the nation of Israel with a flood of water. Verse 16 says, but the earth helped her by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that gushed out from the mouth of the dragon. So here he's failed again. He's failed again. First, he loses uh, Michael fight Satan and his angels. He lost that war. Not only does he lose the war, but he's demoted. He comes down to the earth. Uh, imagine you've been in heaven, which is no doubt beautiful and amazing. Now you're here on the earth that's corruptible and corrupted. Trees are dying, animals killing each other, humans killing each other. Waters are polluted. It pales in comparison to the beauty of heaven, and it pales in comparison to the beauty of the new earth that awaits us after all five of God's enemies are destroyed. But here we are in our future, in this seven-year period. During the Great Tribulation, 
after the great tribulation has begun, Satan will attempt to destroy Israel with a flood. But it won't work. The earth is going to actually open up and swallow uh, the river, which is a flood of water that ordinarily would have consumed and destroyed this land. Now, what's Satan's reaction? Verse 17 says, and the dragon was angry at the woman. So the dragon, Satan is going to be even more angry with Israel. Here's the key part for us Christians and declared war against the rest of her children, all who keep God's commandments and maintain their testimony for Jesus. Now, this is very important. We're talking about secrets and the one set of seven prophecy in the book of Daniel, secrets in the last seven years. When is the timing? When is the timing when the Antichrist will wage war against the church? First, the war against Israel will begin. That happens when the Antichrist stands in the rebuilt temple and declares that he is God. That's in the book of Daniel. We didn't hear that specific scripture today. That's when it begins. That's the beginning of the 1,260-day period. The beginning of the war against Christians happens, we're told, once the flood is averted. So when you see CNN, MSNBC, Al Jazeera, the BBC, when you see the news station saying, oh, no, uh, there's a flood and we don't know what's going to happen to Israel. This is horrible. It's, uh, it, it looks like uh, Israel's not going to survive this amount of water. It's going to go on like that. It's going to look very bad. More than likely, the meteorologist will have some kind of report of the flood. It's going to look like uh, it's going to be cataclysmic, but in fact, it will not be. In fact, the ground is going to open up and the water is going to go right in there. Israel is going to keep being, that land is going to keep being habitable. It's going to stand as it has for thousands of years. And importantly, importantly, this is a time marker. Every Christian who knows the prophecies of the Bible should be aware that this is the precise timing, according to the book of Revelation, that the war on the bride of Christ begins. It begins after the flood fails to take out Israel, after the third temple has been rebuilt. How do we know that? And the dragon was angry at the woman and declared war against the rest of her children. The rest of her children are who? All who keep God's commandments and maintain their testimony for Jesus, this is all of the Christians. We're the wild olive tree that has been grafted in the rest of her children. So not only those who are under the first covenant. So Israel right now, the Jews who will uh, offer the daily sacrifices in the third temple to be shortly rebuilt, they are children of Israel. And they will be still following the old covenant, but we are the rest of the children of Israel who we are those who give our testimony for Jesus Christ. And the Antichrist, as an agent of Satan, 
will enact a war against Christians beginning with the day that the flood on Israel fails during the seven-year period. Now, let's hear the movie trailer for this full report. So we've heard the prophecy in its entirety, the 1,260 days prophecy, chapter 12, verses 7 to the end, verses 7 to 18. But sometimes in a movie trailer, a director will choose to take us way back in time so we can really get context for a movie. So let's hear the movie trailer for this prophecy. And here's where you're going to hear the time, 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 times, and half a time described. Here's where you're going to get that detail about the 1,260 days. So verses 1, 2, 6 of chapter 12, every statement of prophecy, all 12 statements of prophecy in the book of Revelation have two parts. First, the abstract, which is a professional writing term for movie trailer and words, a summary, if you will. Uh, normally it's described as a summary. I like to refer to it as a movie trailer and words. Uh, the abstract is followed by the full report. The book of Revelation follows this format beginning with the first prophecy, the seven seals prophecy in chapter 5, and also with the last prophecy, the twelfth statement of prophecy, the new earth prophecy, which begins in Revelation 21. So let's hear the movie trailer for the 1,260 days prophecy. It starts way back in time. John the Revelator says this is what he's shown. So he's caught up to heaven, and he's shown moving pictures, which he called visions, an angel is showing them to him. And this, he's shown first this, the movie trailer for the 1,260 days prophecy. He says, then I witnessed in heaven an event of great significance. I saw a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon beneath her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. That's Israel. She was pregnant, and she cried out because of her labor pains and the agony of giving birth. Okay, so Israel at the very beginning, we have the 12 tribes of Israel. And now from the descendants of one of the tribes of Israel, we are about to get the birth of the Son of God and the Son of Man, Jesus Christ. But then, before that happens, John the Revelator says, continuing in verse 3, then I witnessed in heaven another significant event. So we're told the first significant event is that Jesus Christ is about to be born. The second significant event says, I saw a large red dragon. You know who the dragon is. is Satan with seven heads and ten horns with seven crowns on his head. Let's pause there. Then I witnessed in heaven another significant event. I saw a large red dragon with seven heads and ten horns with seven crowns on his head. Let me share briefly, and just due to time constraints. So this is way back. So Jesus Christ hasn't even been born yet, but this is a movie trailer. In a movie trailer, it moves fast. It moves fast. So you see different parts of the movie in the order that makes sense to the director. What are these seven heads and ten horns? These are 
and it says with seven crowns on his heads. These are the seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns referred to in Revelation chapters 17 and 18 and in Daniel chapter 7. So in the end, and in Revelation, importantly, Revelation chapter 13. In Revelation chapter 13, we hear about the ten-nation alliance that the Antichrist will dominate and rule. And in Revelation 18 and 19, we hear about the horns and the crowns. We're told in Daniel that initially with this ten-nation alliance, there will be ten kings. There will be ten kings, ten horns, but the Antichrist will put down three of them. So ultimately there will be seven crowns. Well, why are these on the head of Satan? The one world government, the feet of iron uh, mixed with clay, described in Nebuchadnezzar's dream in Daniel chapter 2, refers to the ten-nation alliance in Revelation 13. Okay, so we're in a movie trailer. It's already talking about the end of the age. Verse 4 says, his tail, talking about Satan, swept away one-third of the stars in the sky, and he threw them to the earth. Now, we've already heard the full report, so we know what happens. During the last seven-year period, Satan gets into battle. There's a war in heaven, and Satan loses. Satan loses, Michael wins, and Satan loses. They are both angels, but Michael continues to be Team Jesus. Satan has defected and created his own team. He and the other losers, his flunkies, the third of the angels who have rejected God, they are going to be here on this earth. It tells us that in the movie trailer. His tail swept away one-third of the stars. In Revelation chapter 1, stars are identified as angels. One-third of stars, that's the one-third of the angels that defected, and he threw them to the earth. He stood in front of the woman as she was about to give birth. So now we're going back. Jesus is about to be born, and it says, ready to devour her baby as soon as it was born. She gave birth to a son, who she, Israel, who was to rule all nations with an iron rod. This is the same iron rod referred to in the Battle of Armageddon prophecy, the marriage supper prophecy in Revelation chapter 19. And her child was snatched away from the dragon and was caught up to God into his throne. Now this movie trailer is moving fast. Jesus is about to be born. Now we fast forward uh, past age 12, past age 30, uh, he's 33 years old, he's died on the cross, and he has risen from the dead and ascended to heaven. It happened really fast. Let's hear it again. She gave birth to a son who was to rule all nations with an iron rod. Okay, Jesus is born. Movie trailer moves fast here. And her child was snatched away from the dragon. We have fast-forwarded 33 years and was caught up to God and to his throne. Now we're about to fast forward again, verse 6, and the woman fled into the wilderness. Now we are in the last three and a half years. So I'm saying fast forward, but remember a movie is like that. 
right? We see one scene, we see one scene and then another scene and then another scene. We don't see every second, minute, hour, month, and year. We see the important events. So in the movie trailer, God chooses to show John the Revelator through the angel scenes that are most important. The nation of Israel exists. Then it's about to give birth to the Son of God. Satan exists, and he already has uh, – He has. he's going to be the inspiration for the ten-nation alliance that's ultimately going to have seven crowns. And Jesus Christ dies on the cross, ascends to heaven, and then we fast forward to – our time now we're in our time now we're in the prophecy that's to come to pass and the woman fled into the wilderness this is israel we're in the seven-year period right now and the woman fled into the wilderness where god had prepared a place to care for her for 1260 days so verse 6 refers to israel fleeing into the wilderness for 1,260 days. And then verse 14 refers to the same thing. But she was given two wings like those of a great eagle, so she could fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness. There she would be cared for and protected from the dragon for a time, times, and half a time. You say, well, wait a second. Does this happen twice? No, not at all. First, we're watching the movie trailer for the movie Creed 3. Then we go and watch the movie for Creed 3, and then when we saw the scene where uh, one fighter's fighting the other fighter in the movie trailer, and we see it again in the movie, we're not confused because now we know, oh, we're watching a whole movie. We're going to see that scene somewhere probably in here. So in the same way in the book of Revelation, you read the abstract, and that's the very short summary, and then you read in its entirety the full report and you get more detail. So now we found out that during this 1,260 days, Israel is going to be given the wings of a great eagle to help. The great eagle is referred to in Daniel chapter 7, verse 4. I looked till the wings of it were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand upon two feet as a man. Uh, well, wait, what was it? Verse 4 says, the first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I looked till the wings of it were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand upon two feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. The lion is Great Britain, and indeed, the United States of America, we declared our independence, and on July 4th, that is the day of independence, and it's Daniel chapter 7. Friend, we are going to be here during the Great Tribulation in April. We're going to talk about Revelation chapter 13. We heard about what happens to Israel during the Great Tribulation, but now we're going to hear about what are the instructions for the church in Revelation chapter 13 in April. In April, every program will focus on Revelation chapter 13. I hope this has been an interesting discussion for you. If you haven't done so, Already, call out to God according to Jeremiah 33.3. He promises to show you great and mighty secrets that you do not know.